This is unstructured. Hey, everybody. Today I'm with Tom Schwab of Interview Valet. Now, Tom is a master and he has a company putting together podcast guests and podcast hosts so we can have shows. Now, my being an interview show, obviously, I'm very interested in how all the booking agencies work, and I really am interested in the industry as a whole. And Tom has been around for a while. He works with varied podcasters, varied hosts, varied guests, and I think he can help elucidate the state of the industry. How are you doing today, Tom? Eric, I am thrilled to be here, uh, doing well, and uh, you know, there's no better time to be alive. There's a lot of problems in the world, but the the opportunity to talk to you, to talk to everybody, uh, we live in an amazing time. Fantastic. Now, Tom, from what I understand, you were in the Navy at one point, I think even stationed here in uh, Tidewater area where I live. I was. And how did you go from being in the Navy and an engineer to running a booking agency for podcasts? That seems to be kind of a stretch. Well, it, you know... I look at back at that and say that all the dots align and it really is a continuation of everything. So I was in the Navy, had the opportunity to go to the U.S. Naval Academy. I'm a mechanical engineer by degree. And mm -hmm. so I always look at things as systems, as processes, as things to be built. And, you know, the people that say, well, you don't understand my business. I can't systematize my business. I'm like, listen, if they could systematize a nuclear power plant and have you know, uh, 20 somethings running that, it just shows that anything can be systematized. So that's what I really learned early on as I was working in Navy nuclear power. Uh, I left that in 92, worked in corporate America. And one of the things that always struck me was when people said, well, you don't understand sales and marketing, that 50% of the money we waste, we just don't know what 50% it is. And I'm like, no, you don't understand it then. And so as I went from the Navy into corporate America and then running my own business, one of the things I always focused on is how can you build the systems, the processes in order to get those results every time? And about um, in 2008, uh, I read a book by two smart guys out of MIT, uh, Darmesh Saw and Brian Halligan. They went on to, to form a company called HubSpot, and they talked mm. about inbound marketing how you could use content to attract, engage, and delight customers. And while early in 2008, they were talking about blogs, and uh, I was one of their first uh, e-commerce customers, and we were their first uh, case study that they did. About 2014, I started to hypothesize that podcast interviews are content also, and that just in the same way we used to use guest blogging, we could use podcast interviews to get our message out there to attract, engage, and delight. And really, that's what we're doing at Interview Valet. It's a system. It's a process that's been refined. It's been um, it's been proven in order to get results. So uh, I look at it as booking is a part of that, but really mm -hmm. we're focused on the overall process because people will come to us and say, you know, can you get me on a podcast? And I always say, well, if you want better answers – You've got to ask better questions. And I think what you want to ask are, can you help me use podcast interviews to grow my business? Mm. And I said, we can definitely help with that. Okay. So that makes sense. So you try to dig for, instead of people proposing the solution to you, you try to dig for what is your challenge 
and then come up with a solution for them. Correct. And so from that standpoint, it's it's reproducible too, right? Um, it's like baking a cake, building an engine. There's certain parts that you need. And when people say, I just want to be on podcasts or I just want to be booked on podcasts, you've got to dig into that and say, well, wh- well why? You know, take the onion and, and keep peeling those whys. Why do you want to do it? Why do you want to do it? Uh, because if it's just an ego thing, you don't need us to do that. I mean, there's 400,000 podcasts out there. Getting booked on a podcast is not necessarily that challenging. The question is, is do you get on the right ones? Um, do you make it easy? Do you make it reproducible? And do you really help people? Are you moving them from being just a passive listener to an active visit to your site and ultimately an engaged lead? Do you train your guests and I'm I'm very concerned about that because you brought up that magic number of 400 and that's 400,000 active. I think there's 650,000 total or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, the training is something that's very foremost in my mind because podcasting, I, I have, a, I feel has a problem and I'm going to talk to you about that too here momentarily. Yeah, but- we, we do train our clients on this. Because all of our clients come to us successful. You know, they're successful authors, coaches, speakers, even, you know, companies. But podcasts are different than other medium. And I think people um, don't always understand that. So we try to tr- train them that, you know, the it's a conversation. Uh, podcasts are an awful place to sell, but they're a great place for people to get to know, like, and trust you. Um, and so from that standpoint, you know, um, there's a podcaster, uh, Doug Sandler from Nice Guys on Business, and I love how succinctly he put it. He said that, you know, if you do a good job on a podcast, the host will promote you more than you ever could. So we really focus with our clients and teaching them, you know, we'll, we give them the professional equipment. We teach them how to use it. We do practice interviews uh, because it's so much different uh, than other mediums that we want to make sure that they understand it before they go on there so they can get the maximum return of every interview. Um, so we really focus on that. Yeah. I imagine it's especially effective for branding oneself. I'd even say not only branding oneself, but branding one's company. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of software service companies uh, that tell us they get great cost of lead acquisition, great cost of customer acquisition, because at the end of the day, you want to know, who you're working with, you know, what does this company do? Is it just a, a computer in some third world country or is this something that has a heart to it? Uh, do they share my same goals, desires? Um, and I think that's the way you can attract better clients as opposed to just the next client that's looking for a transaction. Because if you, if you just get them on a, a feature or a benefit or a price, that's the way you're going to lose them too. Uh, so really, you need to let them know who the company is, why you do it. Um, and that's a great way to do it on podcast interviews. Great point. And one thing I like to bring up, too, is um, many guests will reach out and they'll say, well, what are the download numbers of fill in the blank show and things of that sort? That I feel is misguided in the sense that even if, say, someone had 20 downloads, now I have far more than that personally, but let's say they did. But the interviewer does a phenomenal job of putting forth an interview. You have a piece of media that represents you as a guest 
possibly better than even big name shows that you can share out or use to help establish a message. I, I totally agree with you on that. And that's that's one of the problems that people come to and they want to be on the big show. You know, I just want to be on a big show. And one of the things I always ask them is, would you rather talk for five minutes at the Super Bowl or would you rather talk for a half hour to a group of a thousand ideal customers? And you can always tell because the, the people that get it understand that, you know, that the focus works a whole lot better, right? Because the people at the Super Bowl, they really don't care about you. You know, uh, there's no connection there. You're probably just annoying them. And I think about it, I, even when I started out, I've been on over 1,200 podcast interviews, and I was on one early on that had 40,000 downloads. And at this time, I was selling a digital product, basically selling the course on podcast interview marketing. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, 40,000 people, I got about two dozen leads, sold about, you know, about 20 um, of the product. But shortly after that, I was on another podcast, and it was an ideal podcast. The host told me she had 350 downloads per episode. I got 150 leads out of that, sold like 100 of the product. Mm -hmm. And that just showed me that there's more fish in the ocean than there are in a barrel. But if you can find a barrel of ideal customers, that's where you want to go. And I think uh, uh, true business people that are looking to build relationships, to learn, to build the, the lifetime value, they understand that. Those people that are just looking to, to do a transaction, they just want the numbers. And if you're just looking to do a transaction, um, you can get more numbers doing Facebook ads or Google ads. Uh, that's not what podcasting's about. That leads right into what I know you like quoting uh, Gary Vee quite a bit with the um – what is it? Um, uh, left, 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 right hook, or something like that. Uh, it was like jab, 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 right, right hook. You know, I um, don't always agree with them, but uh, I think there's there's lessons that can be learned. Sure, he's a persistent fellow. <laughs> <laughs> now, in your agency, uh, when did Interview Valet come about? Sure. So we started testing this uh, podcast interview marketing starting in 2013 uh, for a handful of clients. Uh, then we started teaching it in 2014 and never took it out of beta because what people told us is like, I understand how to do this, but I just want to be the guest. I want you to take care of all the rest. And so when people started asking us about that, um, we started to test that. Uh, we beta tested Interview Valet at the end, the fall of 2014 and really launched it in uh, the uh, spring of, excuse me, we started to beta test at the end of 2015 and launched it at the beginning of 2016. Okay. And I think you've been at podcast movements um, ever since, things like that. Uh, we've actually done podcast movement. Uh, we've been there for four years. Okay. I think I saw you there. I never really talked to you, but I definitely, I know we passed each other at one point. <laughs> now in interview valet, about how many, uh, experts, I guess you would call your guests experts or do you have a term for them? Uh, we call them certified guests. Okay. And really because it's of all the training, the vetting, uh, at any one time we're serving about 90. Um, we focus on quality, not quantity. So we've got a, a team of 14, um, of team members 
all based in the U.S., but not everybody wants to live in Kalamazoo, Michigan with me. <laughs> Nor um, do I think it's fair for us to tell our clients that we work, you know, nine to five uh, East Coast time because we're serving clients throughout the world and also podcasters throughout the world. Okay. On that, do you uh, turn guests away then? Uh, yes. So we probably say more, we say no to more clients than we say yes to. And really, I'd, I'm not looking for another another client. I'm looking for another raving fan. So with that, we look at four things. So it's message, market, machine, and then match. So the message is, do they have stories to tell, not just a product to sell? Nobody likes an infomercial. The market is, do they know who they want to talk to? And do they have a way that they can serve them? You know, the people that came to us and said, I want to talk to everybody. Not everybody wants to hear you. Mm. Or their goal was, I want to just build my brand. Well, how does that help the listener? So we look at the, the message, the market, the machine is, do they have an online presence that supports them? Because when people hear you on a podcast interview, they're going to go back to your social media. They're going to go back to the website. And if it looks like you're in the witness protection plan or that your, you know, your website was built at Y2K, you're not going to have success with podcast interview marketing. And then finally, we look at the match. Do you do your ideal customers fall in the verticals that we focus on? And that's business, faith and spirituality, and health, nutrition, and wellness. So if we don't focus on those verticals, you're not a good client for us. So we want to be confident to say to any of the clients that we bring on that we're confident that we can get you great results. Um, and if we, if we can't confidently say that to them, um, we either tell them what things they can work on or suggest other agencies that might be a better fit for them. Okay. So it sounds like you'd almost recommend that they have an established brand already and you help get that brand exposed through the podcast and get the personality of the people behind the business exposed through the podcast. Correct. And I think that exposure is a huge, huge problem for, for all established businesses, right? If you've got a product or a service that you help people with, I would say that the biggest problem you have is that your ideal customers don't know you exist. I mean, even for us, it's the same way. We could attract and, and serve so many more people if they know we exist, but we're obscure. And this idea of, well, I'm going to break through the noise. Honestly, I think today most people that are trying to break through the noise are just adding to it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like, it's like yelling at a, at a concert or a football game. Nobody's hearing you. So what we really focus on is how can you get in on the conversation that your ideal customers are already listening to. So it's almost the uh, 1000 true fans theory. You're trying to locate those raving fans. I think you even said earlier out there. Correct. I mean, this is podcast success in podcast interview marketing comes from focus, not just from shotgunning it. Makes total sense. Now, do you also work with podcast hosts? We serve the podcast hosts, but we don't work for the podcast hosts. And, you know, people have often come to us and said, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you work for the podcast hosts and, and charge them also to find guests? And while it would be a profitable decision, I've never understood how it wouldn't be a blatant conflict of interest. 
So everything we do for the podcast host to to find the guests, to um, introduce them, to train them on what they're doing, or to introduce them, uh, we serve the podcast hosts, but they don't pay us. They don't work. We don't work for them. That's good. There are agencies that do charge both ways. Uh, they do, and early on um, – I actually was represented by one and had some clients that were represented by them. And I always, I was on some podcasts and I scratched my head and going, this has nothing to do with what I am trying to do. And later on, I found out that, well, the podcast host was paying, the I was paying. So for them, it was in their best interest to, to um, connect us. So I just looked at that and said, I, I, I know there are ways like in real estate where you can declare that you're the buyer's agent and the seller's agent. Mm -hmm. To me, I, I want to be above board on everything and just say, hey, um, we only work for the one side. I really appreciate that. And I criticized earlier, or, or I was um, putting out my views on guests being trained. I think that the hosts aren't completely off the hook. What is it you see from us hosts that we need to do to get our acts together and do a better job both for ourselves and the guests who come on the show. Mm -hmm. I think the host is the one that's hosting the party, right? So whatever style they have, I'm not going to tell them that you need to change to be more like this person. Hmm. But we do share with them the trends that we're seeing, what's working better. Like one of the things that we have seen and is that authentic conversations work so much better than wrote questions. And we've seen this from our clients too. And when we pick podcasts for our clients to go on, you know, we look at things like uh, the podcast, the website for the backlinks, the social media reach, and experience with previous clients. And one of the things that we have seen is that that authentic conversation works so much better. It converts so much better. People listen to it so much more than just, hey, here's the same four or five questions. So we share the best practices that we see with hosts. Um, the other thing that we do with every podcast interview, um, we send a feedback email both to the host and to the guest to say, how, did, how is this for you? So we can, so we can get that information hmm. and give them the feedback to get better and better. You know, sometimes there's things that, um, that people might not want to share. And some of them can be hilarious. Like I can think of one where – the guest had must have been their lawn maintenance or something uh, that was going that was working during it. And you could see somebody <laughs> walking by the window back and forth. Now, granted, they had their drapes closed and everything, but it looked like a ghost going back and forth. <laughs> and it would have been awkward to say, um, hey, uh, you might want to know about this. But we want we want everybody to do better here. So we'll give the feedback on that. All of our clients, when they come on board with us, we listen to their interviews and say, um, here's feedback. You know, the host talks slowly. You may want to talk slower also to mm -hmm. match them. Um, it, more of a dialogue. So we, we always do that and um, to share that with them. And because at the end of the day, everybody wants to be better at this. And the idea that we all have it mastered out, this, this industry – is only you know maybe ten years old, mm -hmm. and for most people it's only a few years old. Uh, so what's ordinary to to you is amazing to others. So we always try to share that. One thing I like I have heard you express before is a recommendation to someone what they can do prior to pitching 
a podcast host. And I would love it if you would uh, share that now. <laughs> this is like a PSA. Um, I get pitched probably once to twice a day for my podcast. And it all starts the same way. Dear Tom, I love your podcast and like to be a guest. Well, the problem is, is I don't have a podcast, <laughs> but I am on some list that people are selling and sharing. So with that, you know, uh, you got to be authentic and put yourself in the position of the podcast host. So uh, think about Eric right now. Who does he want to have on his podcast? His friends, friends of friends, and people he would like to be his friends. So with that, how could you position yourself to be a guest on that? Well, the first thing is, is don't robo pitch, right? Make sure you know who the host is and make sure they know who you are. So with that, there's lots of things to do. So first, listen to the podcast. Get a sense of, could I add value to this, right? Your goal of being on a podcast is to make the host look like a genius for inviting you. If you do that, they'll promote you. So how do you do that? So listen to the podcast. Leave a rating and review. I tell you what, if you do that, the host will know who you are. Oh, yes. And, you know, please, here's my PSA. There's a, there's a lot of work that goes into a podcast. Anybody that says it's easy has either never done it or never done it well. The great ones make it look easy. Show your appreciation by leaving a rating and review. Then share the information, right? So mention it in in a social media post. Tag the host. We all listen for our names, right? So if you do that, now the host knows who you are. You've sort of, you know, what we talked about before, serve, 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 ask. Well, now reach out to them via social media or uh, email or their contact us form on their website and say, hey, I have listened to your podcast and I enjoyed this episode. Be specific. Here's some information that I think I could offer you and your and your audience that may be helpful to them. Once again, always focus on serving. Uh, a pitch should not be, I have a new book out, Eric, and I would like to hijack your audience so <laughs> that I can promote what's good for me. So go with that servant's heart there and reach out there. You will find that your yes ratio is much higher. And ultimately, your goal is to uh, to build relationships and get on podcasts to build more relationships. Um, and I think some people don't understand how much damage they do by just robo-pitching or how much damage they do by working with an agency that is just trying to put all kinds of pitches out there. Because, yeah, they might get you five interviews, but if they pitched you to 100 people, there might be 95 people there that just looked and said, ugh, that's awful. And you may have done more harm than good. So you want to maintain your brand there too. And then the thing is, is that once you get on the podcast, do a good job. You know, show up prepared. You would not show up to talk to 100 people or 1,000 people. You wouldn't show up to talk to 10 people if you weren't prepared. So make sure you know what the podcast is about, that you've listened to it, that you've spent some time preparing for it. For heaven's sakes, show up with good equipment. You know, you can buy a professional-grade microphone. 65 for, bucks. 
$65, you know, ATR 2100 USB, go to, to Amazon and find one of those because you've got one chance to make a good impression. And if you show up sounding like you're calling in from a bathroom because you're being picked up by the internal microphone, you're going to lose all credibility there, right? So make sure you're prepared for that. And then, um, promote the episode. If you spent a half or 45 minutes of your life, (laughs) why wouldn't you want to promote that episode? Because I tell you what, if you do, remember what I said, you wanted to build relationships so that you could be on podcasts so that you could build more relationships. If you do a good job on the podcast and then you promote that podcast, I guarantee you that host is going to introduce you to other hosts. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, from that standpoint, uh, um, that, that thing, if you get on one good, uh, one podcast, a good podcast, and they introduce you to two or three of their friends and you keep doing that, all of a sudden you'll have more podcast opportunities than you know what to do with. The flip side though, is if you start robo pitching and getting the word out there that this person is just trying to use and abuse podcast hosts, um, the podcast community is a small inbred community and word gets around and very quickly you can get a bad reputation out there too. And unfortunately I have seen, um, pitches come from agencies, um, that podcasters share amongst themselves. (laughs) There was a podcaster that, uh, suggested to me that I, I do a podcast called bad pitches and, uh, uh, I, I know podcasters would listen to it. Some of them are just downright funny. You know, the the podcaster that's got a um, a real estate podcast, and somebody's pitching them on that they want to be a guest because they've got a new book coming out about nursing mothers. <laughs> it's like clearly you have not listened to this podcast. So take it seriously. Um, you know that we talked before. Serve, serve, serve. Ask. You want to add value to the community. You want to add value to all of that. Um, and if you can't do all of that work, that's fine. There's people that you can work with that can do that to free you up. So you're the guest and they're doing the other parts, but just make sure that you're always adding value to the ecosystem, not just taking it away. And we do talk to each other, believe me, because podcasting is so lonely. The only people who can relate to podcasters or other podcasters and we share experiences with ghosts, with bad guests, or we will say their names to each other. Stay away from fill in the blank. And even sometimes, all right, maybe I'm pulling the curtain back behind here a little bit too much. Uh, people will get on podcasts and the episode will get lost, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. The recording didn't, something happened with the recording and you never go live. And that's just really the podcast host's saying, no, I don't want to share this with my audience. And so with that, that's the training that we do with all of our our guests, our hosts. We want to make sure that when we bring two people together, that they're both set, that magic happens, and that it really serves the audience there too. Because at the end of the day, we focus on return on investment. Not only the time or not only the money people send us uh, for working with us, but their time, that's the thing that's most valuable. You want every podcast interview uh, to be the biggest impact that you can. Yes. Also, I really appreciate your stating about rating and reviewing and establishing a relationship. You may not even be able to go on that particular podcast. 
But if you're on the host's radar and you are giving, they may tell a couple others that you hadn't even heard of that are even more appropriate and can get you more of a bang for the buck. So you may not fit on that particular show exactly according to the host, but that doesn't mean you should dump the relationship. And the other thing with that, too, is that you're right. For some people, if you're just starting out as a podcast guest and you have nothing to point to, they may not say, uh, I want to have you on here. But there might be friends that they could introduce you to. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people come and say, well, what podcast do you want to be on? Oh, I want to be on the Tim Ferriss Show, um, <laughs> Lewis Howe School of Greatness, and Oprah's podcast. And I'm like, does Oprah even have a podcast? I don't know, but I want to be on it. Start to set your sights on, you know, the to work your way up there too, realizing that people have mm-hmm. value. I mean, even if you're only talking to 35 guests or 35 listeners or 100 listeners, you're still connecting with them. And you, you talk about people that uh, uh, perform on Broadway. Their first show is not on Broadway. They they work their way up. And a lot of times when we work with clients, we're very strategic. We know that this podcast is a proof source for the next bigger one. Mm-hmm. I know that this podcaster listens to this podcast, respects this person, and we can use this as a pro, uh, as a proof source. Um, you know, we've got, uh, like I said, a team of fourteen. Uh, we've been doing this for years. We've got relationships with over four thousand podcasters. We know how the system works. That's a great analogy. Um, Jan Eluga has a great analogy brought up of the open mic to the small club where you finally get paid to a bigger medium in terms of hosts, but it can also be the same with guests. You, you've got to build your skills up too. Guesting is a skill. It is a talent that you have to work at and achieve over time. So the more you get your reps in, the better you do. So yes, that might be a show with 10 people. It might be a show with one person. It might not matter, but it's better than recording yourself and playing it back in the bathroom. And sometimes depending what you're trying to do with the podcast interview, I wouldn't even worry about how many guests or how many downloads they have, right? So some of our clients work with us for just the SEO value Mm. because every time you're on a podcast, you get a backlink. Now, if there's a, a podcast from the Kalamazoo Valley Community College that comes with a .edu, I tell you what, that backlink will be more valuable than a backlink from the Tim Ferriss show. Hmm. Or if there's one that's the government puts on, maybe it's, you know, selling to the government and that podcast comes with a dot GOV backlink that is more valuable than anything. So really uh, a lot of times we'll talk with our clients and say, what are you trying to do? And some of them will say, well, I'm trying to, you know, just do a, a blitz, um, with a product, with a book. Other ones will say, I'm trying to build my SEO value. Some podcasters will say, I'm just trying to build my podcast. And they know the best place to find podcast listeners is listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people, they want to fill their funnel. They want to fill it with, you know, traffic, leads, and customers. So really, we just look at saying, what's the best avenue for your strategy that you're going after? It's not a one-size-fits-all. Totally makes sense. Now, Moving to one of my pet peeves I started going to earlier, or my pet views, I guess, um, the Edison numbers that came out this year at Podcast Movement and beforehand. I don't know them. You know, I don't have them memorized, so I'm going to spout out numbers that are probably completely off, but um, 
directionally they're correct. And he's essentially like 62% of Americans, so it's focusing on the U.S., know what a podcast is. But then of that 62%, it's like 30-something percent listened to one in the past month. Of that number, X percentage actually continuously listen to podcasts. Of that number, and it whittles down to a very small number. And I feel like podcasting has a problem. Now, it is growing, but we need to overcome the Wayne's World image. I think we already have. And let me tell you why. When the first podcast movement I went to was 2000, I think, 14 in Texas. Mm -hmm. There was probably 250 people there. And it was, it seemed like Comic-Con slash Wayne's World. Mm -hmm. Well, this year at Podcast Movement, I believe there was over 2,500 people. There were the suits that came up from uh, Washington, D.C. with National Public Radio. There was the big media that came down from New York City. And it was really, you know, uh, a, a mainstream thing. Take it a few months on from there. In November, Harvard University had their first conference on podcasting. And I had hmm. the opportunity to to go to that one. I was invited to that one. And it was interesting. They called podcasting as the golden age of podcasting. Hmm. And their point was that we had the golden age of radio, the golden age of television. And they declared that right now is the golden age of podcasting. And that podcasting has all of the hope and the dreams that radio originally had or that television had. And their point was is that those people that were the early adopters in television and radio really built it into what it is. And they took it as great opportunity there. And so to me, uh, I think four or five years ago, yeah, it was Wayne's World. You know, It was a couple guys doing it in their mom's basement. Mm -hmm. Now when you've got Harvard talking about this, you've got college professors that for the year of their sabbatical – We'll take a year off and do a podcast. I think we really are in the golden age of podcasting. Now, some people will say, well, when do you think it's going to hit 100% when everybody will listen to podcasts? I'm like, it never will, right? Yeah. Because radio, television, newspaper have never done that. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be certain people that like to learn from, uh, from audio. And there's certain people that don't want to learn. Right. And no judgments on them. You know, there are certain people that will love to listen to 80s rock for the rest of their life mm -hmm. and that pride themselves on that. The last book they read was the one that was assigned in high school. There's no no judgment on that. But I think there's also a group of people that are the ones that are curious. They always want to continue to learn. And then there's a smaller subgroup there that are the ones that are audio learners. And I think those is really where podcasting goes on into that niche of the curious people that want to continue to learn and learn best through audio. So I don't think we'll ever get to a hundred percent. Will we get to, to, to 60%? I don't know. Uh, but I think those ones that we are reaching are, we're making a huge impact on there too. And the other thing, too, is that there are people that say, I don't listen to podcasts, but they're wrong. They do listen to podcasts because maybe they listen to Sirius XM and what they're mm. listening to. It's a podcast. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I got a call from a few buddies that were in um, uh, Tucson, Arizona, 
and two friends from the Navy, and they called me up and said, hey, I didn't realize you were in town tonight or in today. Let's get together for dinner. And I called them back and I said, I'm not in town, but why did you think I was? <laughs> and they're like, well, we heard you on the morning drive this morning, you know, some news talk business radio, and you were interviewed there. So we just figured you were in town. I started to piece that together. It was a podcast interview that I had done like six months before that got picked up wow. and, and put on the morning drive in Tucson. <laughs> and so do those guys listen to podcasts? You know, I, I would say yes. They would say no. You know, I asked my daughters, my two youngest daughters, you know, what does the pod stand for in podcast? And they roll their eyes. I don't know, dad, what does pod stand for? <laughs> They've never lived in a world with an iPod. Right. You know, they just know it as a smartphone. Uh, other people know it as on-demand radio. I think what we call it isn't as important as that we're actually reaching people. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe it's the vanity metric like downloads, right? Maybe <laughs> when Edison says, well, it's only a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. Well, that's true. But even if you look at those percentages, <laughs> there are more there are more people that identify as – um, as listening to podcasts than there are that identify themselves as Roman Catholic in hmm. the United States. And so I wouldn't say, well, Roman Catholic, that's, you know, that's just a fringe, um, that that's, you know, uh, it, it's a fad. It's going away <laughs> any more than I would say podcasting, uh, is just going away for those people that it serves. It's very, very Im impactful. Well, that's a, a great positive message. And I think a great place to wrap up. Um, what do you have any last message that you have want to get out well, to anyone? I would just say, if you're listening to a podcast right now, which you are, you know, the impact that this has on the listeners. And you know that if you've got a business, a brand that more and more of your customers are going to be listening to this. The only question is, are they going to be listening to you or your competitors? Now, that's a decision that only you can make, and you could be, become a podcast host, a podcast guest. You could do both. But what you know could serve the world. It could make it better. You could help your customers. You could help your business. So if there's anything that we can do to help you with that, we would love to talk with you and see if you might be an ideal client for Interview Valet. But uh, also, last thing, if you haven't live, left a rating and review for the Unstructured Podcast, please do that now. Perfect heroic last words. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Eric. Hi, this is Kara Mayer Robinson, and I host Really Famous. I interview A-list celebrities. I dive deep because I used to be a therapist. This is what Tim Gunn said. I just have this antipathy for the judges. I can't stand being in the same room with them. Tim Daly. If you're not working in L.A. and you're an actor, there's no worse place to be. Michael Rappaport. I changed schools every year from the third grade to the twelfth grade. Disruptive was my thing. Chaz Palminteri. I knew something was going on. I said, I got to talk to somebody. It's Really Famous. It's like eavesdropping on a therapy session. Mr. Hayes' office, how may I help you? Andrea, it's Marilyn over at Kennedy Parker Construction. Hello, Marilyn. Would you like me to connect Mr. Parker to a Mr. A fish Hayes? surrounded by sharks. A secretary cursed by desire and ambition. Introducing The Diarist by Donna Barrow Green. The Diarist, an addictive psychological thriller, satirical, suspenseful, and full of twists. Available on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. 
I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings. Or if something I've said has led you to believe I think you're incompetent. It's just been so long since you've given me any encouragements or compliments on my... Andrea. I do notice you. I like that blouse on you very much. You look very pretty just as you are right now. Oh, well, I... It's very pretty on you. Thank you. What sort of fabric is it? It's silk. It's lovely. You have excellent taste in clothes. I notice. Would you mind removing your cardigan? My sweater? Yes, so I can see the blouse in its entirety. Why? I like it very much. You see, I do notice you. You know that, don't you? I don't have to tell you I notice these things. You know when I like something, don't you? I don't know. I repeated his words in my mind. I notice you. That was it, wasn't it? I wanted someone to notice me. Not Andrea the daughter, the wife, the secretary. Not even Andrea the artist or ad girl. I wanted someone, anyone, to see me. More than anything, it was Richard. Please don't think unkind of me, dear reader. Thank you.